A study by Kansas State University and Merck Animal Health analyzed the results of two years worth of sales through Superior Livestock, specifically looking at the factors that affected those calf prices. Today, Dr. John Hutchison with Merck Animal Health is my guest as we discuss these findings. You know, the most unfortunate thing I see people do sometimes is have a really good plan in their head and do a lot of things that they need to do and do it right, but then don't find the place that pays for those attributes and pays for that. From management practices to programs and vaccination protocols to weaning, are you seeing a justifiable rate of return for the cost of implementing them? You got to be true to yourself. Uh, you can't cheat on cost. There's some things that are easy to do and offer a good rate of return, while others you may need to think through. Find out what these are on today's episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. everyone and we welcome you here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. We're glad to have you joining us on our program today. This is episode 116 and if you want to go back, if you missed something here today and you want to go back and listen to it, the podcast site is workingranchradio.com. You can find today's show. You can also find any previous shows that you want to go back and listen to as well. Also, let us know if you hear something, you like it, uh, leave a comment, let us know. It helps me to know in moving forward on other future programs that we may have. And on the other side of the coin, if you hear something that you didn't like or you got questions about, please feel free to reach out and let me know as well. My email address is justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Well, we're going to get right to it here in just a few moments, but as I said in the opening, our program today, we're going to be looking at a study that was done by Kansas State University along with Merck Animal Health as part of that as they reviewed two years worth of sale results from Superior Livestock and analyzing all of the different factors that affected those calf prices that you may see. And they could be anything from uh, management practices, uh, such as dehorning your cattle to implants, non-implants, uh, also program cattle, as we've talked about, all the different types of programs that are out there like GAP or NHTC, BQA, a lot of those things. In addition, we're also gonna be exploring what did it look like when they evaluated the vaccination protocols and weaning, such as uh, we've heard of these things like VAC 45 and VAC 60. So a lot of different things we're gonna be talking about with that. I'm excited to have Dr. John Hutchison, who's the Director of Beef Cattle Technical Services with Merck Animal Health, to go through that with us today. And I think you'll find it very valuable as you begin that process, if you haven't already, in marketing your cattle for 2023. Well, a thank you to our sponsor of this segment today, the American Simmental Association. They've been helping ranchers move their operations forward with pedigree knowledge and performance records, and also now very advanced Genomics, that's helping you, the rancher, with more predictability so that you can make good management decisions that increase profitability. Sim Genetics is profit through science. Find out more at simmental.org. Other sponsors today include Allflex, cattle identification and record keeping should be easy. To find out more, you can go to their website at allflexusa.com. Well, the captain, Tim O'Byrne, is in this week. He is publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine. And here's this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. Hey, Justin. Hey, everybody out there in Working Ranch Radio Land. Justin, 
As you and the listeners and the readers know, uh, I've taken it upon myself to make sure that I go in and check out the meat case in the big cities every single chance I get. Why? Because I'm nosy. Everybody knows that with my Friday post. I'm probably one of the most nosiest guys I know. So what have I found in the last five years? Uh, I was watching really carefully the amount of room afforded the, um, I don't know what to call them, fake beef stuff. That's, I guess, the best way to explain it. Any of the fake beef stuff, like the mm, burgers and some sausage and stuff like that, I have watched the uh, large box stores devote up to, I've seen at, at one point, probably about three years ago, I've seen up to 48 inches of, um, of space in the actual display case uh, right next to beef, you know, right next to, to our product, our good wholesome product that only has beef in it. And what I've noticed lately is uh, a decline in that from 48 inches to, I think the last time I reported in the magazine, uh, in my local big box store, which is totally urban people uh, going in there from all over the place, and it was down to 18 inches. So today, I'm reporting, for whatever it's worth, that that particular big brand box store that serves probably most of the of the Pacific Northwest and down into the Southwest, uh, there is. I uh, went in there last week, uh, there, and it's a big, big store. You know, 13, 14 checkouts. There is no more um, meat case, display case, inch devoted to um, to that product anymore. And I asked the um, manager of the, of the uh, meat section, why is that? And he said, just basically sales. So there's my report for today. Do with it what you want, folks. And uh, on another note, now we're getting into high production here in the summertime. So uh, keep an eye on those ranch kids. All right. Make, keep them safe as best you can. And ranch kids, listen to me, listen to what your elders are telling you to do and don't deviate. All right. It's uh, dangerous out there and we want to keep you safe. So God bless. And back to you, Mr. Justin. All right. Thanks, Captain. And yeah, good advice there at the very end there. It is that time of the year where I'll get busy and sometimes we get in a hurry of doing things and just, you know, do what it takes to just go the extra step and and just be safe out there, everybody. So when we come back, we're going to take a break here. And when we do, Dr. John Hutchinson will be joining us as we're going to be talking about looking at all of these results coming out of this two-year study on analyzing superior livestock's auction data and the factors affecting those calf sales. It's some interesting information. Stay with us. We're going to get into it when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. You know, big cows come with big feed bills, which is why smart genetic selection can pay off in your cow herd. Did you know Simmental-influenced cows are an average 74 pounds lighter at maturity than Angus-sired counterparts, according to a recent U.S. Meat Animal Research Center study? Now, while Simmental is sized for more efficient gains, 20-year genetic trend lines also show the breed offers reliable calving ease, early growth, and cow longevity. That's a balanced herd built for profit. Sim Genetics, giving you more per head, period. Stand strong. Simmental. 
Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills here. And uh, how many of you landowners out there and you're maybe you've thought about some of the recreational opportunities that your ranch has to offer? Maybe you don't haven't really thought about it. I know for myself, I've uh, toyed around with, is there some extra income that we could be realizing if we took advantage of some of the recreational possibilities that it has to offer and so a few weeks ago I actually did an interview with Land Trust it's a company out of Bozeman Montana but I sat down with Nick DeCastro as we talked about how to capture the recreational value in your land and it's something that they specialize directly in and connecting landowners with sportsmen looking to pay for access to your land it's not like any government programs leases or outfitters and they partner to build relationships with these sports people and keeping landowners really in full control out of it. Now, if you have a lot of questions about it and regarding some liability things, I encourage you to go back and listen to this episode. Again, it was episode 113. We talk about all the liability things. And like the one of the things I just mentioned, landowners stay in 100% control and choose what you have to offer, how much it costs, when it's available, property rules, and who you're even going to allow on the property. Now, if you're wondering about, well, what would that entail? Well, of course, hunting comes to mind for a lot of us. Now, that may not be an option for some. If you're already working with an outfitter or various things, maybe you want to do hunting. Maybe you want to start out with turkey hunting, also fishing, or what about RV camping? Uh, Food foraging was something that came up. Now, if you don't know what that is, I encourage you to go and listen to the show, but also you could do farm and ranch tours or maybe giving people access to camp or to ride horseback on your place, but really it's limitless in terms of the opportunities or the things that you could be looking at with that. So I encourage you to check it out. You can go to their website at landtrust.com. And for a lot of folks, you have questions. You may not even know where to start or how to price it or how to value it. They have a lot of those questions because they work with a lot of landowners much in the same way. And if you want to know how fast it works, I can tell you right now, and talking to them the other day, this income can happen pretty quickly. And they were sharing with us that within one week of listing their properties, there were three landowners have already had bookings. And one of those bookings has already been completed. So this can happen as quickly as you want it to happen, or you can set it out in the future to happen when a certain time of the year works the best for you. But give them a call or check them out online at landtrust.com. There's contact information there that you can visit with them about that. And by the way, let them know that you heard it here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Well, as we head now into our featured interview today, uh, this is an interesting topic for me because I'm always always analyzing and always wanting to know, you know, what could I be doing to, uh, from a management standpoint and various things when it comes to profitability on our ranch? Well, today we're going to be talking about factors affecting calf prices. This was a study that was done uh, through calf sales of superior livestock auctions and then put together by Kansas State University and Merck Animal Health. And joining me to talk about all of the results that came out of this is Dr. John Hutchinson, who is the Director of Beef Cattle Technical Services with Merck Animal Health. And John, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. You bet, Justin. I appreciate you taking the time out and having me on the show. I think I have some good information to share with um, 
ranchers around the country. You bet. I want to talk about this because this this is a study that um, that came down. It was with superior. Uh, it was analysis of some calf sales through Superior Livestock Auction, and it was done a study by Kansas State University and Merck Animal Health. And I'm not going to go and try to explain a lot because I have you on the show. So I want you to lay out really what this study was to start with, and then we can start getting into the findings later on. But lay out really what this study was, the years it took place, and, and the scope of it all. You bet, Justin. Um, and you got it right. Uh, you know, obviously, we couldn't have done this without Superior Livestock Auctions help. And so they have numerous sales across the country. And so we collect the data from those sales. So the sales that happen, uh, in this case, between January of 21 and December of 22, so two years of data we had right at 2.6 million head of calves in that database. Uh, that they, they made up the number of head. There was a total that, that equated to 15,000 and almost 300 lots of cattle. And so, you know, these are lot loads in those sales. And so, you know, that's where the data source came from. And that data then goes to Dr. Tonzer and Dr. Renter at Kansas State University. And so Dr. Tonzer is um, in the Ag Eco, Ag Economics Department, Dr. Renner's in the, over at the vet school. And so they do all the heavy lifting. And then I get to talk to people like you and your <laughs> listeners out there about all the good attributes of the data. So they kind of mine through the data, do some QC and put it all together and, and give it to me and uh, Merck Animal Health. And then we try to get the message out. Mm-hmm. And I see in this some of the data in there is the average lot contained about 160 head of, cat, of calves, average weight 559. So you really dialed in on a good average what we would probably see across the country. And you bet. And, you bet. and folks, we're going to work through some of this stuff. And then at the end, we'll have an analysis and draw it all together. But let's start from the top and work through some of these items. I don't know if there was any in any particular order, but uh, from your perspective, let's start at the top of one of the attributes uh, that do affect these calf prices. You bet. And, you know, maybe I'll um, start with some management factors. Okay. And, and, I, and yep. so, some of these, Justin, aren't unusual to people. But, you know, before we get started, maybe there's there's one other thing we should, we should level set is that, um, you know, ranchers out there, I would encourage them as we are talking now in April and calves are hitting the ground, have hit the ground from north to south, um, you know, where they're at in that whole process, but um, have a marketing plan for your calves. You're, you, you know, these ranchers out here create calves. Mm-hmm. And so having a marketing plan as early as you can is the best way to take advantage of the things you do and get the value from those. And so that's one thing I've seen um, that makes, you know, selling in a sale like this that lists all these attributes as badges. So you might hear me say, you know, all these badges or all mm-hmm. these different attributes, they list them out and buyers that come onto that to, to buy calves recognize those badges and there's confidence in those those ranchers doing that stuff. And so, so you think about management factors. And again, I'm going to say this more than once, Justin, okay. that this is what the buyers pay for. They use their checkbook to make these, I'll call them premiums. Sometimes they use their, you know, take away money, but you know, let's start with no horns. Mm-hmm. There is, you know, our data set over that two years of period with those 2.6 million head of calves, there was there was almost a $4 a hundred weight premium, which equates to almost a $20 bill mm-hmm. for polled calves. 
So calves with no horns. And so think about that frame. I think most ranchers hopefully know where their calves move through the system to a feed yard and move. And if you've watched carcass weights over the years, what have carcass weights done that continue to go up? Well, they need calves with medium to large frame to hold those hold those big weights to get them to where they are and to produce the carcasses and the amount of pounds we do as our supply goes down, pounds go continue to rise and our beef production, you know, doesn't drop as precipitously as, as numbers do. And so, you know, medium to medium and large frame calves get a, get a premium. And mm-hmm. so, you know, those that are smaller frame don't now, you know, you, you're going to ask me some questions around that. I hope but <laughs> it's, um, you know, you got to keep your cow size in check with your environment. Yeah, yeah. I'm just telling you what, what, what these buyers are buying as it relates to frame. Flesh is the same way. They don't like fleshy cattle. And so they want cattle carrying some medium to light, light, medium flesh. And, you know, there's some pretty good premiums, two to $3 a hundred premium on the, on the flesh of those animals. And again, that's all management related. Uh, weight variation they don't like uneven lots of cattle. Mm-hmm. They want cattle that are tight. They have the weight range pretty tight. And so, you know, there's a big discount on very uneven cattle. And so, you know, there's ways to address that management wise. You and I, before we got started, we're visiting about a few things, mm-hmm. you know, get those calves born earlier in the breeding season, you know, think about your bulls and think about your bull power to you know, get cows bred earlier in the breeding season. So they calve earlier and, and those calves are going to, you know, be more uniform and be more closer in age. And so if you can do that, uh, there's there's quite a bit of eliminating the discount on those uneven loads of cattle. And so those are, you know, those are a few things I call it kind of management at the ranch when we talk about no horns, flesh, frame, mm-hmm. weight variation. Um, those are some big dollars that added up in this database. Mm-hmm. When you talk about management, something that comes to my mind, and it correlates a little bit to what you said, it's never too early to begin to put together a marketing plan. And I think when you when you hit on that point, I, I think of a couple things. I had a show last fall where we were talking about with one of my guests, when you're doing fall work with your cattle, how can you make the most out of it? And, and really a lot of that has to do with planning. And part of this management that we're looking at is really stepping back away and and planning what that year is going to look like uh, from a pre you know when are you going to brand when are you going to precondition how can you utilize those times and then at that same time when you're no preconditioning then you can know when you can start to market your calves so really the element of having a plan early is pretty key to this to, to starting out no question you, you couldn't have said it better I, I, I you know the most unfortunate thing I see people do sometimes is, is have a really good plan in their head and do a lot of things that they need to do and do it right, but then don't find the place that pays for those attributes and pays for that. You bet. Uh, and so, yeah, you said it, you said it well, Justin, I mean, a plan is needed and, you know, it brings us into a little different topic is, you know, maybe we should have started with some of the factors that do not affect calf mm-hmm. price. And so one of those factors was um, that kind of plays into this conversation is implant status. So if those calves had a calf hood implant, uh, there is no change in price. So those that were implanted or those that were not implanted, there was no difference in those dollars per hundred weight. And so you think about this year and you think about what's going on, yeah, where, where the calves are projected in price this fall and, and the drought that continues to linger along in some parts of the United States, 
25 pounds of extra weight at $2.50, $2.75 is approaching a $50 bill. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and so I think about those kind of things because back to market planning, your marketing, you know, are you, are you participating in a program that might not allow them, but we know about 90% of the calves when they reach the feed yard do get implanted. And so, you know, that's something else to think about that, no effect on sales price. The big one was was implant status. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I That was something that caught my attention when I saw some of these results early on. My guest today, folks, is John Hutchinson. He was, was the director of beef technical services with Merck Animal Health. We're talking about some factors affecting calf prices. It's a research study that was done through with the use of sales off a of superior livestock auction. Kansas State University put this all together, the, the results on this. And um, we're going to continue with John when we come back. We have more. I have more questions about it as well as we're going to continue to look at some of these other factors that they looked at uh, in this that did affect these calf prices. We're going to continue when we come back here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. Our topic today is coming from a study that was done through uh, with the use of looking at some sale results from Superior Livestock Auction, and it was results put together by Kansas State University and Merck Animal Health, looking at traits that impacted sale prices. Joining me today is Dr. John Hutchison, who is the Director of Beef Cattle Technical Services with Merck Animal Health. And in the first segment, we were talking specifically about some things. We were talking about management practices that as as ranchers, we need to begin uh, our marketing plan early. Uh, some things that we can do to tighten, tighten up uh, the weights of our calves, have some consistency in there. Also talking a little bit about implants and realizing that there was really no effect to our calf prices on the implanting side of things. Uh, John, when we look at where we're at in our uh, marketing our calves now, I mean, it's just a common, common t- terminology is program cattle. Okay, so this would be cattle that are in into uh, programs, specific types of programs. There are lots of different ones out there. So let's go through that. I know that's probably a pretty broad topic in a way, but let's look at some of those factors that you saw when you were sifting through these results. Yeah, and then then the way I'll approach some of these programs is we'll we'll maybe dive deeper into a few because they, you know, they have some other implications around genetics Mm -hmm. and things like that. So now it'll be It'll be good. And this again, you know, maybe I sound like a broken record, but, you know, I want people to have success. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, back to that marketing plan, you know, these programs are all embedded in that is you have to have a plan. You have to have a plan to know what the program is, what you're entering into, what the cost is, what the what the price potential is. And so, you know, I know ranchers are pretty dang good, particularly in these times with high input cost is keeping the pencil sharp. Mm -hmm. So. So one thing to add before we dive deep into this is on these programs, you know, understand the cost, understand that you have to have a marketing program to be in these and, you know, just just some of those things, again, marketing plan, cost and and return, make sure you have a good understanding of what it's going to take to, mm-hmm. to enter in some of these programs. And then then the first one we'll talk about, Justin, is, is my soapbox. Okay. And so... It's Beef Quality Assurance Program. Mm -hmm. And so we've been following this for four years in the database. This is just the last two years. But there's a premium paid for those calves that come into the sale um, on this superior livestock auction and have a badge, so to speak, that that the producer is BQA certified. 
Mm-hmm. And I know it is not that difficult to get BQA certified. And I would challenge every rancher listening to this show at this point in time is if you're not beef quality assurance certified, mm-hmm. that's the first thing you ought to do when you quit listening to Justin <laughs> and I. Um, yeah. You know, there's a dollar fifty a hundred weight. They paid eight dollars a head more for those that were mm-hmm. BQA certified. And so it almost ought to be table stakes. And so mm-hmm. as the beef industry keeps evolving and consumers want more transparency, I, I really, it's almost, I want to see this disc, this premium go away because I can't compare it to a base of no BQA. Yeah, that, That's yeah. my goal. That is my goal. I know at Merck, we really push hard and working with state associations and national associations it's pretty hard not to find a beef quality assurance program. So that's my soapbox, Justin, because yeah, okay. that program brought you 10 bucks a head, $1.50, a hundred, and every year it just keeps going and going. And so you see, I'm reading maybe too much into it, but it's important for the beef industry, in my opinion, yeah. to make sure we're all beef quality assurance certified um, as we raise these animals that eventually sits on a plate mm-hmm. somewhere around the world. Yeah. And we've had a program on here before where we've talked about that. And I think you, you probably did a good job just explaining the importance of that and how easy it is. And folks, it is easy. I mean, check it out. Go to their website. Let's talk about some of these other programs. Yeah, uh, let's see. You know, let's, we got Natural Plus, GAP, NHTC, That's all right. these things. So there's, you know, there's some of these programs. So you mentioned GAP. Uh, so the Global Animal Partnership Program, it brings back, a, you know, close to a $20 bill, almost $4 a hundred weight. Um, and that that one's, you know, again, it's a program. There's certain rules you have to follow, you know, check them out and, and understand what you have to do or what you don't have to do. The Natural Plus Program that we reported on is a superior. It's kind of a superior branded program, Natural Plus. So it's like a never ever program. And, you know, it brought back five bucks a head. So, you know, I think they're trying to get their legs under it a little bit. Um, you know, not as many animals in that, but, um, but nonetheless, it was significant, um, uptick on, on premium as it relates to, um, dollars per hundred and dollars per head, like, like the gap program. The other one that's a pretty big program that we see a lot of impact on is the NHTC. And so as people, you know, non-hormone treated cattle, uh, it was almost six bucks a hundred, um, premium, which, you know, gets you close to 32, 33 bucks a head. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, those three are kind of all natural, never, ever um, non-hormone treated. They've got some specific requirements, but but there's some value there if you, you know, want to participate in, in some of those type of programs. Another program that we saw that um, has a big impact and is called progressive genetics. And we call it that because that's the superior. They've got a list of seed stock producers that they publish on their website. If you buy bulls from them and you use them in your cow herd and, you know, there's some paperwork that goes along with that and you can demonstrate that you've used those genetics, then, you know, it's a $10 a head premium. Mm -hmm. Uh, Almost again, about a buck 50, buck 60, a hundred weight on using progressive genetics. And I, and I know that's a superior program, and um, I'm grateful for them to be able to allow us to dig through this data and provide information to producers so people can continually get better. But I think that one sends a pretty powerful message about buyers appreciate good genetics. Mm-hmm. And I think most good genetics are, you know, cattle that have pretty good level of muscling. That's my take on it, Justin. Mm-hmm. You might have some some things to add to that. But, you know, progressive genetics was the program and there was a premium there. But I think it just shows the value of good bull genetics and how important that is for these 
again, I call cow calf guys calf creators. That's mm-hmm. what they do. That's that's what they do best and and create calves. And so, you know, just think about the bull battery that they have. Again, I think it's good for cow calf folks to ground themselves on where their how their calves move through the system and mm-hmm. particularly you know, if cow-calf people haven't gone to, say, a feed yard and just seen where the calves end up and the technology that's being used and the efficiencies that are trying to be gained and, you know, how that how genetics come to play because we're an amazing beef industry as, as cattle numbers decline, production doesn't decline at the same rate, and a lot of that is just grounded and rooted on genetics. Mm-hmm. And so it's just pretty cool to see you know, a database like this that sees that, you know, some recognized seed stock producers and using those bulls that those buyers are willing to add another $10 to your calf. And mm-hmm. so, um, so it's, you know, again, it's, um, it's really, really, I think, powerful in the message. And then those other programs we talked about have their, have their, um, you know, things that you have to follow and, mm-hmm. and programs you have to follow. But, you know, let's get into the next biggest program, and that's health. Programs. Yeah, yeah, that's just as exactly where I was going to head. And and folks, if you're listening, keep in mind, I there's still one question rumbling around in my head, and we're going to get to that in our next segment because we're going to analyze all this, and I'm going to have John kind of put this into context of the cost versus the income on this. But uh, we need to get through these, and so you're right, John. The the probably uh, besides really the programs that we were just talking about, the big thing is you know these health. Uh, the value-added health program. So let's talk about how that's affected these markets. You bet. You bet. It it is the largest premium that's paid on a dollars per hundred weight basis. There is no question, and, and I don't think it's just unique to this database, but it continues to every year we do this, those premiums get bigger and bigger and bigger because the value of healthy calves moving through our production system are an extreme premium. And these buyers are willing to pay lots of dollars for that. I mean, you're talking about, you know, somewhere between seven and nine dollars a hundred weight um, participating in these value added health programs. And I think, you know, a little bit ground us a little bit, you know, these are these were built so that cattle producers like ranchers could start the whole immunization process of these cattle because we move calves from cow-calf to sometimes background or stalker, and then we move them into, say, finishing feed yard um, type scenarios. And so, you know, those calves are like our kids when we send them to school. They've, we've got to have some immunization prior to them mixing with all the other um, kids in the world, and cattle aren't any different. And so these value-added, value-added health programs are rooted on immunology. Mm-hmm. They're rooted on getting these animals, not just vaccinating them. I challenge our producers that it's not just vaccinating. It's also, you know, vaccinating is the process, but your goal is to immunize them and get them to respond to these vaccines that we're trying to um, get their immune system used to seeing these types of, these types of viruses and bacteria so they can respond to them when they come in contact with them as they move through the system. And so let's walk through some of these value added Mm -hmm, programs. And so, you know, if you give two shots and don't do anything else, you know, there's still a premium. So, mm-hmm. you know, getting your shots in them, say branding Brandon, or, mm-hmm. or pre-weaning or weaning, you know, there is some value in terms of that, but that's the lowest value. 
where the value really kicks in. And again, we got to sharpen our pencil, but these VAC 45 and VAC 60 programs. And so what that means is they get two rounds of clostridial, they get two rounds of viruses, they get two rounds of bacteria vaccine, and they get, um, you know, we recommend that you deworm and we recommend that you implant, but they stay at home for 45 days after they've been weaned. Mm -hmm. And so they're home raised calves, they stay at home, you know, they get bunk broke, they get water trough broke, they, um, you know, get to stretch, get the, get the wean out of them. Uh, you know, how people do it are all, there's a lot of different ways, fence line weaning, mm-hmm. there's abrupt weaning, you know, there's a lot of different ways to try to keep the stress down, but we're talking almost $9 a hundred weight. And not only is it $9 a hundred weight, it's $9 a hundred weight on a calf that's been at home gaining weight for 45 days. So, you know, your weaning weight's not, if it's 559, you're not selling a 559 pound calf. You're probably selling a, you know, 650 pound calf. Mm-hmm. And so you're selling a 650 pound calf that's broke, bump broke, water trough broke. He's been immunized and he stayed at home and he weighs more and he brings $9 a hundred weight more. I, you know, that's a, that's $50 bill. Mm-hmm. And so huge impact. You know, the thing that I think people, you know, can get from this data is, that's the big jump, Justin. You know, VAC 60, holding them for 15 more days, there was no more dollars per hundred weight, but it was about $7 a hundred weight. Statistically, nine and seven was different. And so those VAC 60 home-raised calves and those VAC 45, once you did VAC 45, it seemed like the buyers, they didn't pay any more for another 15 days mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that's I think that's um, gives some guidance of when people are trying to decide to do that or not to do that, you know, with feed prices the way they are and facilities that come into play, there's a lot of thought process that has to go on these value added health programs. Um, but there's a lot of reward there, particularly mm-hmm. if you sell them in a place that is looking for more healthier calves moving through the system. And I think the buyers have resoundingly told us that, you know, these value-added health programs, they pay for what they are. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's good for our cow-calf producers that can manage that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Dr. John Hutchison, he's the director of Beef Cattle Technical Services with Merck Animal Health, is my guest today. We're talking about factors affecting calf prices. Uh, it was a study that was done uh, through the selling years of 2021 and 22 on Superior. And factors that uh, you might want to be considering when you're looking at marketing your calves here in 2023. We're going to tie all this together when we come back and for me the biggest question is can i get my dollar back these you know the our industry is has no shortage of inputs if we want to put as many as we want to in them but at the end of the day we want to know that we're getting our money back we're going to talk more with john on that as we tie this all up when we return here on the working ranch radio show Welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. My guest today is Dr. John Hutchison. He's the director of Beef Cattle Technical Services with Merck Animal Health. And our subject today has been talking about factors affecting calf prices. It was it's factors that they look back over the years of 2021 and 22 in the calf sales at Superior Livestock. Uh, Kansas State University put this all together over two and a half million head of calves. So we're not talking just some little old study. This was 
uh, a lot of data in this, and we have great discussion already so far. And John, as we as we look at this now, we've talked about some of these factors. You've identified some things that add value, some things that we could or couldn't be doing. Now let's let's get into this from the standpoint of profit, from a profitability standpoint. Because as I said going into the break, there's no shortage of inputs that we can put into our into our livestock herds. But at the end of the day, if we're if we're putting something into that, you would hope you're at least, and probably you should be getting more than that, your cost back in that. And as we were talking a little bit uh, there when we, uh, before the break, you were talking about the VAC 45, VAC 60 type programs. And I told you at break, I said, well, I'm, I, you know, I've, I've in the dry year, I didn't wean calves. We just sold them balling right off the cow because we were dry. Last year we had a little grass and so we went ahead and weaned them. And I'm fighting my head on whether or not I'm getting my money back on selling wean calves. You know, and you should be. You know, we should, you know, challenge ourselves as ranchers that, uh, you know, whatever, everything has a, un, you know, a consequence. Uh, you know, you spend money on this. We talked about shorten the breeding season. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, how, how do I do, you know, there's some different strategies to shorten the breeding season. You know, and I want to improve my weaning, you know, wean calves per cows exposed. Well, it's got a cost to it. Mm-hmm. And so, I got to understand that cost. And so you're exactly right. I mean, these value added health programs, you have to understand your cost, uh, you know, and you got to be true to yourself. Uh, you can't cheat on cost. You, I mean, you got to make sure. And so you really have to sit down, Justin, with a pencil and you have to, you know, be like an accountant. I know we all love our <laughs> accountants that come and ask us for all these numbers, but but they're correct. I mean, they, they're correct. You should know all those numbers. And so you think about it. Um, so weaning these calves, you know, you take them off mom, you, you know, first you got to figure out your facilities and your mm-hmm. facilities have a cost because somebody has to take care of them. And so you've got care in there. You've got to keep those facilities up, up to snuff to, you know, keep the calves from getting back to the cows or just keeping the calves in. And so you've got some costs there, but you know, the big cost is feed. And so my, my friends at Kansas State, Dr. Tonzer, um, particularly um, along with Dr. Renner, they've taken this data and they've put it into a, the background of a calculator. Mm-hmm. And so if you go to their agmanager.info you know, website, I think anybody that just types in agmanager.info Kansas State, there's a Kansas State University Merck calf vaccination program assessment tool. I couldn't think of a longer name or I would have added another <laughs> word to it, Justin. Yeah. But it goes in there and it has the, the results of the study and what the attributes do to premiums. And so, you know, if you have cattle that are, you know, medium to large frame and not fleshy and and got some even weights and they're BQA certified and you, you do everything, you're true to what your calves are and you, you can put those attributes in there and it's going to help you calculate and then you're going to have to know a little bit about the market. You know, if you wean calves, you're, say you wean calves in September, you're not going to sell them in September. You're going to hold them 45 mm-hmm. days. So you're going to be marketing those closer to, you know, maybe November, mm-hmm. depending on 60 days, it might be December. So you got to kind of look on the out forward outlook of what those price of those calves are going to be. And then you got to be fair on weight gain. You know, are they going to gain pound a day? Or are they going to gain two pounds a day? And then you got to be fair on the cost. You know, and so we got a couple of things working for us in our favor. Calf prices are projected to continue to rise. Feed prices, you know, I'm not a prognosticator on feed prices, but um, 
you know, hopefully they can stay steady and people can sharpen their pencil on their types of feed. And then if you can get the cost of that gain true and, you know, project out what those calves would bring in, say, November, 45 days later, and be true to what they might weigh, how much more weight they might put on in 45 days, if they gain a pound and a half, that's almost, right, that's almost 90 pounds, Mm -hmm. um, that value of that gain. And so, but you have, just like you said, you got to put the pencil to it Mm -hmm. and you got to be fair. I mean, those calves, you can work with different people, you know, your veterinarian, your nutritionist, your extension agent, whoever, you know, trying to guess what those calves would eat per day if you're going to, if you're going to feed them. But, you know, do you have some grass traps to put them in and can you get by with just two pounds of supplement or four pounds of supplement? There's a lot of different ways, Justin, but, you know, people, I think they'll surprise themselves at times, you know, obviously those that are more efficient in getting it done, mm-hmm. but um, you, mm-hmm. you got to do that. Yeah. You, you know, you've, you've got to, you got to figure out your cost again, pretend like you're the accountant this time to do the math. And yeah. once you do the math, you'll, you have confidence in what, mm-hmm. what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. A quick question here. And, and I had wrote this down when we were talking earlier about some of the uh, management practices as so, and some of the other things that we were talking about, but I want to hit on it really quick. And that is the volume of the lot you're selling, because I know we've got guys that are listening that, you know, might have 25, 30, 40, 50 head. And then you've got your, you know, your middle guys, and then you got your guys with a lot of cattle. Real quick, from a volume standpoint, what's your what was your takeaway from everything? Yeah, I mean those 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 lot sizes. You know, people like to buy at least one load lot sizes, mm-hmm. right? So there's going to be there's going to be some you know some premium given to those lot load sizes. Uh, but I, I think this is again having a marketing plan. You know, there are plenty of places to market calves that are in smaller groups. Uh, particularly if you've got, you know, smaller groups that are pretty good weight variation. And, you know, I challenge producers to do things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen, you know, I've seen places that work with sale barns and work with people that market calves where, you know, neighbors come together and, yeah. you know, for the good of the price. I mean, they can, you know, weigh their animals individually, individually ear tag them and then sell them as, you know, a lot load with two other ranchers that have 30 head and you got 90 head and you sell them as a lot load and, you know, you're likely to bring more dollars per hundred weight. And so, but you're right. It's, you know, there is, there is something to be said of lot loads of cattle and little work can pay off. Mm -hmm. You had referenced that this, you know, 2021, 22, they were drought type years with the calf prices changing and, and increasing as they are anything different that you'd take away as we look at this year versus the results that you had seen in 2021 and 22. Yeah. I I think the biggest thing is what we were just talking about, Justin, people need to redo their math Mm -hmm. because those calf prices you know, help a lot, you know, understand those calf prices and where they're heading on what you can do in terms of planning, you know, they like these value added health programs or getting an implant in those animals. I mean, you're talking over a $50 bill. If you, if not much changes and you put an implant in your calves and get them to gain 25 more pounds. And, you know, you talk about $2 and 70 cent calves, or even, you know, I hear these crazy words about $3 a hundred. I mean, you're talking about a lot of money. And I I really think if there is a time to get the pencil out and redo the math, you should do it every year. And so that, that, that'd be the biggest take home is need to do the math because, because calf prices, that revenue, it can help a lot. And then, and then shop around, understand what you need from a nutrition standpoint and, you know, what's the cost of that per pound of energy or per pound of protein 
And so I think there's opportunities with these high calf prices, Justin, to, yeah. to re, you know, make sure you're doing the math and um, not using last year's numbers because the price per pound lends oneself to a lot of opportunities. Yeah, you bet. That's for sure. Dr. John Hutchinson, he is the director of Beef Cattle Technical Services with Merck Animal Health, has been my guest today. And John, I, I appreciate you doing this. It was kind of short notice. It was something I'd been working on for quite a while to, to get some uh, an interview on this. And I appreciate you doing this here and joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. You bet. It was a pleasure. And hopefully all the listeners can hear the excitement in my voice because <laughs> I, I enjoy Obviously, I enjoy my job, but I enjoy being able to have conversations like this where I bring information. Again, Kansas State, Merck, and Superior all together bringing information to try to generate more revenue for ranchers and so um, in their calves. And hopefully, everybody took something away. There's not one thing that we talked about, Justin, that a rancher couldn't do, mm-hmm. even if it's just one one thing. There's that one thing still makes a positive impact on the revenue. Mm-hmm. Dr. John Hutchinson, my guest here today, Director of Beef Cattle Technical Services with Merck Animal Health on uh, really a subject that I think a lot of us really need to be thinking of. As he said from the very beginning, it all starts with a marketing plan and having that in in our mind as we're working forward to the final product. Uh, You know, if you really step back and think about it, as ranchers, we've worked too hard to not put a little time and effort into our marketing plan and looking at these factors that we talked about here today that affect cap prices, things you could be doing, maybe shouldn't be doing, or and even how you need to be penciling things because it's pretty easy to put a lot of input into this, a lot of time that's also a cost to our, to our enterprise as well, and really not take some time to think about are we getting that net return at the end of the day. So a lot of great things we talked about here today. By the way, he had mentioned the uh, the Kansas State University tool that is available. I will put that in the link on our podcast site. You'll get to it from there. And again, if you want to go to the website yourself, you can go to Kansas State University's agmanager.info and you can search your way through that. But I will put the link to that tool in the description of this podcast and you can find it by going to workingranchradio.com. Stay with us after the break. Meteorologist Don Day joins us as we take a look at our long-term weather when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Do you have a young child, grandchild, niece, or nephew that loves the weather and wants to learn more? Day Weather has produced a children's weather journal full of weather facts, fun weather experiments, coloring pages, and pages to record weather observations for every season of the year. The weather journal is for ages 3 to 7 and designed to be fun and educational. The interactive weather projects are fun for the whole family to take part in. For only $10, the Day Weather Weather Journal is a great gift idea for any occasion. Click on our Amazon link to order at dayweather.com. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills as we head now in taking a look at our long-term weather today brought to you by AllFlex. Cattle identification and record keeping should be easy, so tie it all together using your visual tags, your EID tag, and your genetic data to one management number by using the AllFlex matched sets. Take a look. Learn more at AllFlexUSA.com. And joining us now with a look at our long-term weather is meteorologist Don Day and Don uh, we just come out of last week where we did see a little bit of that winter wheat country of uh, Kansas and northern Texas uh, into Colorado and, and uh, places of that get a little bit of moisture. But we're heading now into a weather pattern that shows kind of a hot, dry pattern for a bit. 
Well, let's call it a warmer pattern. It may not necessarily be dry. Okay. Um, But those areas uh, you just mentioned, one to three inches of rain, and they haven't seen that much rain with one system in a long, long time. And so that was certainly good news. But there's always winners and losers. And we have a lot of Nebraska that just didn't get much out of that system, as well as some of the northern counties of Kansas. But we are seeing a transition, and I think what we saw with that system in the Southern Plains is kind of an indication of some changing weather patterns, and boy, we're going to see that. We are certainly going to see warm, high pressure build over the uh, western states, kind of a reversal. You know, for the whole winter and for most of spring, it's been colder than average in the Northern Plains in the west, while it's been much warmer than average in the east. But we're going to head into the first couple of weeks of May with the opposite pattern. The warmest weather will be in the West. The coldest weather will be in the East. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, when I looked at uh, what you kind of were looking at for this next week, you know, that Missouri River kind of was our halfway point. And when we looked to the West of that, it was definitely the warmer weather that we see and that cooler weather, you know, East of that area. So when we look at that, one of the biggest issues now we're looking at with this warmer weather coming in is then this runoff that we see from the pretty significant snowpacks in the mountain areas of the country. Yeah, I think it's a foregone conclusion. We're going to be hearing about flooding in the news uh, from uh, California uh, into the Great Basin states. Um, Nevada, as we get into Utah, especially with their huge snowpack, you know, the Alta ski area recorded some snowfall here over the past week, 901 inches of snow in at Alta Skiri above Salt Lake. I mean, that is an incredible amount of snow when you put it together. And with these warm temperatures, what really tends to be a problem is when it's not only really warm during the day and you're getting melting, but staying warm at night. Mm -hmm. And so you have a 24-hour snow melt. That's a concern. On top of that, yes, while we do have high pressure coming in, we do see a pattern that is going to bring some thunderstorm and shower activity to parts of the Rockies and Plains as we get to next week, and especially the week after that. So we could see the combination of some rain with those warmer temperatures. So that is certainly going to be giving us a lot of concern for flooding. Mm-hmm. So I kind of misspoke when we started there at the beginning. I said hot and dry. Of course, that's what in my mind, I was kind of dramatic as we all are when we talk about weather, right? We're always dramatic. It's like, oh, you know, but anyway, so you say there's there's going to be maybe some moisture in this warmer pattern. What's that? What's the time frame that the, that this weather pattern that we're seeing? Because you said we could be stuck in that for just a bit. What's the time frame? How long do you think that's going to kind of hang in there well it could go on for a couple of weeks uh where we see the this cooler pattern in the east and this warmer pattern in the west so i do think it's going to have a little bit of stain power uh but what you do see in this type of pattern is you do see just enough low pressure come off the pacific and and when you get into may uh you get into the atmosphere that is starting to really warm up in the southern latitudes but you still have cold air aloft so it doesn't take much of a system to set off shower and thunderstorm activity during the warmest part of the day. So that is something that that we may see in this pattern to where maybe if this pattern was developing in June or July, it would be a completely dry one. But having it happen in May could lead to those showers and thunderstorms. Okay. So when we see that cooler weather on the, you know, kind of that Ohio, Tennessee Valley areas and down on that eastern part of the country, are they looking at then moisture with that cooler weather? They will. They, they've seen some of that already. The The Gulf Coast in the southeastern United States is uh, getting wet, and they're going to see a lot of wet weather in New England. 
uh, into the early parts here of this coming week. And certainly they've really gotten a lot of weather here over the last couple of days. Uh, and we will see it, believe it or not, it may be cool enough in some of the central and southern areas of the United States. It may reduce the amount of tornado activity or the threat uh, because the the reversal of the cooler weather is settling in down there. So cooler and wet, but not necessarily will it be widespread severe weather, which would certainly be good. So this is not something we don't usually talk horse racing, but are we looking at uh, running in the mud at the Kentucky Derby? Yeah, I think that is a real possibility. And <laughs> hey, it's Derby time. I gotta go. Gotta go find my bolo and yeah. my, my 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 hat. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Don, appreciate you joining us here today with a look at our long-term weather. Thanks for having me. And again, that was meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. His website can be found at dayweather.com. And from there, you can find a link to his daily video podcast that he kicks out every Monday through Friday morning. Our weather today brought to you by AllFlex. Cattle identification and record keeping should be easy. So you can tie now your visual tag and your EID tag and the genetic data to one management number by using the AllFlex match sets. Learn more by going to the website at AllFlexUSA. And be sure to join us next week on our weather. The captain uh, and I were talking this last week and he had read and heard some information out there about some warm water bubbles or warm water patches that are floating through the ocean and then surfacing. And he had some questions on that. So we're going to talk about that next week and and how that's affecting our water temperatures in the ocean as well. Uh, Meteorologist Don Day is familiar with that and has some answers that might help us along in understanding what's taking place in that regard. Well, stay with us. When we come back, we'll put a wrap on this week's edition of the Working Ranch Radio Show. A lot of great information on our program here today, and you may not have caught it all and you want to go back and listen to it again. You can simply do that by going to pretty much any podcast provider out there or directly to our podcast site at workingranchradio.com, and you can find uh, and download it and listen to it from there. If you have any questions, you have any ideas or comments about shows, please do not hesitate at all. Send me an email. It's justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Well, the Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch magazine branded number one by America's ranchers. You can get your subscription started easily today by going to their website at workingranchmag.com. We'll be sure to join us at the same time, same place next week or on your favorite podcast provider. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.